G'day guys. Now before we dive into today's show, I have a huge announcement to make. Now as you all know, I've been working on my brand new book called Investing in the US, The Ultimate Guide to US Real Estate. And I am super pumped to announce that it is now live on my website. It is live on Amazon. So please jump over to readgoosens.com forward slash books and grab a copy today. All proceeds from the sale of this book goes to charity. So remember to jump over to read goosens.com forward slash books and get your hands on one today. Now back into the show. Don't buy a house. Whatever you do, your first piece of real estate you buy, 100% should not be a house. If you could buy a fourplex, live in one of the units or the front house, if it's set up like that, rent out the other three units to cover a large chunk of the mortgage or all of it, do that. Welcome to Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate, a podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the U.S. podcast from Los Angeles. I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the U.S., how they've created financial freedom massive amounts of cash flow and ultimately create extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review on iTunes, and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Reed Goosens. You can find the show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play, but you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. So head over to reedgoosens.com, click on the video link, and it will take you to the video recordings of these podcasts where you can see my ugly mug, but the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. G'day guys and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the US. And today I'm coming to you from a studio which I just have the pleasure of being on Andy Carter's show. It's absolutely incredible here. I'm sitting here surrounded by an incredible studio that, that, that he has put together down here in Southern California near Long Beach. And I'm sitting opposite me is the man himself, um, but enough out of me. Let's get him out of here. G'day, Andy. How are you going, mate? I'm going great, man. Thanks for having me, Reed. Hey, man. Thank you for having me, me on your show and of then course. allowing me to record in this dope studio, man. Like, look at it. I, I am blown away. You got the, It's fun, right? You've got the wood. You've got everything set up. I am very, very envious. And I we should talk a little bit offline about uh, creating uh, podcasting studios with WeWork, you know, in terms of yeah. business business point of view. But uh, we, won't, we won't get into that. My yep. mind's going already. You and me both, man. They're so important. They are so important. But mate, before we dive into the show, rewind the clock and I tell ask my, uh, my, my guests all the same question. How did you make your first ever dollar as a kid? I made my first dollar as a kid selling chocolate bars on a baseball team. And then I took everybody's bars for the whole team and sold them all. 
Um, and I kind of did stuff like that always, but where my story really took a turn when I was 12, and I've told this story a lot, but when I was 12 years old, I moved to a different neighborhood. I was on the wrong side of the tracks in Long Beach, grew up, single mom, raised a really poor, lived out of a cooler when my parents got divorced, just had it a little rough. When I was 12, we moved to a nicer area in the next city over so I could go to a better high school because my mom didn't want me going to the high school where we lived near. And so I had rich friends for the first time. And my rich friends, we go by the surf shop. I surfed every day. And there was a new wetsuit, and it was in the window. And my three buddies looked at it like, oh, this is great. I'm going to have my parents come back and get it for me. And so that's literally exactly what happened. We left. We went to their house. They told their parents. Their parents went and got it, and they had it the next day right. at the beach. And I was like, this is insane. I want that. So I went to every business around that surf shop and asked them if I could come in after school and work. They're like, you're 12. Get out of here. And so one place, it was a silkscreen shop, said, yes, come here, clean these screens and all these nasty chemicals and scrub everything, and I'll give you 20 bucks. I did that. Well, the wetsuit was like $480, which was thousands when you're 12. But every day I got that 20 bucks and I went to the store owner. I gave him 20 bucks, gave him 20 bucks. And I eventually got this wetsuit and I almost always get choked up telling the story. He put it in my hands and I walked home in tears. I was just, I was so proud and I'm like, I did it. Wow. I don't need anyone. Right. I can go get something that I really want. I don't have to ask my mom who doesn't have it, but I, that was the first time I was already a pretty like grown up kid from a young age because I had to grow up fast. That was a point where I knew I was going to be just fine. Mm. Mate, that is awesome. I actually have a very similar story. I remember when I was a kid, I don't know, layaway. Mm, yeah, yeah, that was, it, it, that's basically what I did was yeah, layaway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, hey, man, I really like that. Make sure you don't sell it to anyone. Here's $10. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and they're chipping away at it. That's, that's, that's awesome. So walk us through the story then, the teenager into university and early entrepreneurial life because you know we're sitting here in your awesome studio here in near Long Beach and you're crushing it and we'll get into that. But there has been a journey, and I know before we got we came on the mic in the green room, you were telling me a lot about stuff of School of Hard Knocks, definitely. But I'll let you tell us the story and and your 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 inspirational journey. Sure, yeah. So it, I mean, from twelve, then I went to go work at a place called El Pollo Loco, where if you're from Southern California, it's like a fast food chain. It's great, and I could work there at fourteen because my rich dad's dad owned it. So I was able to work there. He didn't work there, of course, but I, you know, I was flipping chickens. And then I got really good at the drive-thru. So they had me like work in the drive-thru, which is the worst place in high school you could ever work because your friends come by and make fun of you. So I worked there, but it was great. So I was getting money. I was helping my mom. It was just great. From there, I went to go work at 31 Flavors or Baskin Robbins Ice Cream, Scooping Ice Cream. And I'm like, I kind of like the restaurant business, the service business. I'm going to figure this out. And I make good money. It's great. So I went to go apply at this place called Cerevelo's, which was this huge sports bar that was in my city. And I was 17 years old. as a junior in high school. And I went in there. I was with like a whole bunch of college kids that were also trying to get a job there. So they were 21. I was 17. I got lumped into all these guys. And they thought I wanted to be a bar back not a busboy. So they put me behind the bar and I'm like, oh, whatever, you know, kind of training. And they trained me to be a bartender, not knowing I was a 17 year old high school kid. So my junior year in high school, I'm literally bartending. They thought I was 21, making like 300, 300, 400 bucks a day. It was 
unbelievable. And so that lit the fire of like, hmm. And I was in school to be a fireman. So I went to go work at a really fancy restaurant that was really nice. And they asked me how long I'd been a server or like a waiter for. And I was like, oh, four years. I'd never waited on a table ever. Every job I've ever had, I've been grossly underqualified to ever do. And this particular restaurant was really nice. And you would like have these trays with all these beers. I'd never used a tray before. First table, dumped the whole tray on the, anyways. But from there is where I really got the fire lit of like what it feels like to have a mentor because the owner of that restaurant was like my first mentor, just an incredible guy. And a sidebar story, he's the one that told me to get into real estate without even telling me. He said, Andy, always buy the dirt. Whatever business you own, make sure you own the land. Because he was writing himself a check for $25,000 one day when I was in there. And I was like, oh, that must be his cut for the restaurant. He's like, oh, no, Andy, this is my rent to myself. I own the building and the land. I go, whoa. It's stuck. And I was 19. So fast forward, I was at a wine tasting at this very nice restaurant. And it was the owner's son. And he was so passionate about wine. I didn't know anything about wine. Like pink, white, red, that was it. And bubbly. So, yeah, a little bit of bubbly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because where I was at, we, there was, I was all beer and booze. Right. No one would drink any wine. And so I fell in love with the guy's passion for wine. And then I tasted these wines. And he was describing them. And there's this food we were eating. I went from literally almost getting a job at Long Beach Fire to six weeks later in Bordeaux trying to become one of the youngest wine sommeliers in the country. So I pivoted and went all in. And I changed the wine program there. I actually took our wine sales up 30% in six months. So the owner, who is my now mentor, thought I was the greatest whiz kid ever. I changed the business. We got super into wine. And then from from there, it just launched. I mean, it just, I'd changed my whole life. What num- Number one question comes to mind, what's your favorite drop? It depends on what I'm eating. Okay, but okay. if I'm just going to like, yep. I, I like the bigger reds mm-hmm. or the like, cab. some, yeah, cabs yep. or like the Sauvignon Blanc or blends. I still think the greatest value ever is a red Zinfandel. Hmm. You can get a world-class wine for $35 on a, on like a wine list somewhere. Wow. Just magic. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. So you're in the wine business, you're in some sort of restaurant business, but not necessarily knowing where you're going. What What's the next step on the journey towards Andy Carter? Sure. So I actually thought I was going to open up a bunch of restaurants. I did one, ended up getting bought out later with you know, some issues with partners. And then I decided like, I'm just going to have a consultant business and I'm going to go around to restaurants and I'm going to create their wine list. I'm going to educate their staff and I'm going to move to the next city. I'm single. I'm young. I love this, this wine. That was going really well. And then I got snatched up by one of the biggest wine companies in the country. And they said, here's a position. We've created it for you. And you're going to run the sales team and all these people. And I went straight into like corporate, which was great for the money. I was wearing a suit every day and my wine bag. And I had this whole ego and identity wrapped around this thing. And I was known as the wine guy. And I put on like 50, 60 pounds, had a big expense account, and just ate and drank wine every day. Wow. Every day. It was great, and I'm like, I'm going to Laker games and limos and entertaining everybody, but my health went absolutely sideways, and I kind of lost sight in why I got into wine. All they cared about was selling cases. There was numbers and quotas. It wasn't the passion of how the wine is made from the earth and the dirt and what the winemaker really does in the barrel. Like So 
my love for wine got punted. And I didn't like that because I gave it up for money. So I had a hard time with that. And then I just struggled. I struggled with my health. I struggled with, I'm making great money, but I was just upset. So I asked for a month off, which we talked about a little bit. And they're like, no one gets a month off. Well, I was their top producer, so they gave me a month off. And I got so healthy and so happy in 30 days. I'm like, I'm never going back to that job. Wow. I have no idea what I'm going to do, but I'm not going back. So your, your, your passion for wine and the earth and the dirt just blew up in smoke, right? It did, because it was all about cases. How many cases could Andy yeah. sell? Yeah, it turned in from a passion to just a numbers game. That's right. Right, mm-hmm. right. that's incredible. So walk me through how you got to the real estate, because that is, that's wine guy to real estate, that's a pretty good, you know. It's a huge jump, but everybody made jump. fun of me. It was like, oh, the wine guy's going to go do real estate? And I'm like, give me a second. Yeah. I, I've yet to not be good at something I've really set my mind to. So, and it was 2008, so everybody's running out of real estate, and they're like, you're going in? Yep. Because I had, a, I had a super good friend of mine. He's like, why don't you try real estate? He goes, I have friends making six figures. They're not that bright. Um, you're a smart guy and you'll have all this freedom to do what you're doing now, which I was teaching yoga. I was racing triathlons. I didn't have a job. Like I literally just would teach yoga classes for like 20 bucks a class and then train and race triathlons. That's all I did. And I was going to do it for six months. I ended up doing it for a year and a half. And then I realized I loved being healthy. I loved my spiritual path, my spiritual journey. I didn't like being broke, (laughs) so I had no more money. So my buddy was like, just try real estate. You're going to be great. And he had this firm. So I went and passed the test, and I literally got into real estate for freedom to keep doing what I was doing. As an agent, right? Yeah, as an agent. I was just like a regular agent, but I always knew I was going to work with investors from the get. I got trained by one of the biggest uh, teams and like the biggest brokerages in the country, but always knew I was going to go straight to the investing space. So that's what I did. And the first month, I made zero. I was doing like door knocking, a bunch of grunt work. And then the second month, I I did like 2,500 in some little side deal I did. The third month, I did 10 grand. The sixth month, I did 50 grand. And then I never looked back. So I got really good at acquisition. I got really good at building relationships. And I got really good at understanding the simple math of real estate. And then after six months, the light bulb went off. And I was like, I'm doing this for the rest of my life. It's the greatest thing ever. What were you, you just purely selling and making a commission? I was doing acquisitions for a flipping company. So they were flipping a lot. But they were going to like the court steps. So every day was like a fire drill. One guy's at the court steps with a stack of checks. Two guys are driving the properties that just came out at 6 a.m. The dude who's the brains behind the operation has three computer screens open. He's checking title. He's doing this stuff. And I'm sitting there at this desk over there watching this chaos going, there's got to be a better way to do this. Short sales were pistol hot. So were REOs. I was good on the phone. I was good at building relationships with local brokers, big banks, asset managers, and probably eight months, I was getting us 20 deals a month where we're only getting four to six from the actual auctions because all the hedge funds came into Southern California, started overbidding for everything. So we shifted the business model completely. So I was doing all of the acquisitions and I was getting a rip on the front, on the back. I was getting a piece of you know, like the bottom line. It was great. And then I realized, why aren't we buying buildings with this cash we're pulling it? I mean, we're doing 160, 200 like, you know, flips a year, which right. it's a lot of revenue. And my partners at the time, they're, you know, they're nice, fancy cars <laughs> and all that business. And I just started buying buildings. 
And B- buildings meaning what, like commercial spaces? Yeah, yeah, so I started with fours. Okay. And those were great. I still love them today. And then we rolled them into eights. And then we Got rolled it. those into, you know, 24s. And then I found my, like, true love, which is syndications, which is amazing. When you have the right group and the right people around you, they're really fun. Yep. No, they, they can't be extremely fun. They're so much fun. And again, it's like, it takes the risk off for me. I'm still providing service. And everybody wins. Talk to me about how you pivoted from that courthouse steps. What were you doing differently, you know, to then keep those sales coming through the door and not having to do the fire drill, as you said? Sure. So uh, there was a clear white space in the market because every single day we're getting outbid on stuff from three different hedge funds that clearly had ulterior motives. Like, they, like there's no way they're going to turn a profit on this. Find out later that they had a construction company, and that's why they're using the bank's money and the institutional money to basically fund their property management company and their construction business for the bank. So now it made sense years later why they were overbidding for properties. So I just realized that we have a lot of capital, and we're not being able to deploy it as fast as we used to. We either give the capital back, which is the kiss of death, or we figure out a new way to to actually deploy it make it work for us faster. So that's when we shifted to straight short sales and REOs and inside deals. And there was a couple of tapes we bought from the banks. I just got good at looking at lots of deals and knowing really quickly, like street and zip code, if it was a good deal or not. Right. And that's that's literally what we moved to. We, for for, for a, a flipping model. Flipping right. model, right. yeah. And we used the same business model for the holds. Right. And then from there, that was the next white space. Well, there's all these flat parcels of land all over LA that are zoned for us to chop up small lot ordinance. Mm-hmm. We're going to build all these different things. We get into that. We're buying these things cash because we don't know any better. I start getting around a lot of developers. They're like, what are you guys doing? Like, this is not how you do it. You don't just pay cash. Like, no, you tie them up, you get them entitled. And then you, you sell them. And then you sell them. Yep. Like what? What? So again, <laughs> mentorship can yep. be very, very, um, very efficient, let's just say the least. So you went from your your, your restaurant mentor, yes, to who was the second mentor along the path? Because you, you in the, before we got online, you came. You're talking to me about yet a couple of mentors, mm-hmm. and so who was that second guy or gal that, yeah. that helped you get to that next step? Yeah. So I've I've always had a lot of mentors. The one that was for real estate was this guy named Elliot, and Elliot was my age, but he went from high school to real estate, so. He already had 15 year head start on me. His dad's a very successful attorney and just a smart guy. And I knew right away, I'm like, he's the brains. I knew it instantly. So what I would do is when we would go and go drive properties to go look at them, I would hop in the car and I would listen to how he would talk to the investors. I would listen to how he would structure the deals. I would, I'm like, this is not that hard. He just knows it really well. He had the relationships. So I stayed as close to him as humanly possible for four years until the company started to pivot and move. And then I had a different belief system. I want to do more buy and holds. And the flipping space was getting, you know, really? more and more compressed. Right. And this was five years ago. Okay. So it's 2008, you mm-hmm. came in and mm-hmm. then what, 2013? About, uh, yeah, about 14, 14, we started to kind of go in like a different direction. I just liked the buy and hold model. I liked it better than working my face off and dealing with contractors. And like, I didn't like the flip model anymore. I loved it when we're making 80 to 100 grand a deal with their eyes closed. When you're squeaking out 30, it like it doesn't the, make sense. The love changes, right? right? And then after doing my own deals, it was like, 
why would you ever do this unless you're going to get capital to buy more buildings? And then that's when I fell in love with Cleveland. I fell in love with out of state and the light bulbs start going off of like, okay, you have a very specific viewpoint on what is working for you and your family. And I have a different one and it's nowhere near Southern California right now. Right. And is that when you went off to start andycarter.com and and the podcast and and the personal branding and all that sort of stuff? Yeah. I started doing that probably uh, two and a half years ago or so. And again, like we were talking about offline, it was out of fear. Mm. My 12 investors, I was afraid at some point they were just going to stop wanting to buy real estate and they had all the leverage on me. I had money, I had capital, I had buildings and I had assets. And you were buying out of state with those 12 investors already? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah small because I had to convince them, right? That this is a good idea. And again, you do a couple of them and they're like, Andy's a genius. I'm not, I'm just following smarter people than me. That's really all I actually do. So, and I don't overcomplicate it, but that's what we started to do. So I went all in on my brand, quote unquote, because I didn't want to get left behind. And I knew where the market was going. I knew social media was going to be massive for this space. I knew that I had something to say. And a big thing was to like people like my mom, like I was raised by a single mom, poor, poor mindset, poor everything that no one's talking about. You can go out and buy a four unit building for 3.5% down. Right. Just like you would buy a condo or a single family residence, you can buy a duplex, triplex or fourplex with the same financing. It's a tiny bit different, but not really. So for me, it was like, if my mom would have bought the duplex we were living in, you know, twenty something years ago, they just sold will. for seven hundred and fifty for right. one hundred and twenty. Her retirement would look very different. No one's teaching the inner city. No one's teaching people who don't have any money. No one's teaching people with money how to do this. So I've made it my mission to write a book about it, to get, I mean, I paid to go all over the country to talk about it because it's important to me. So I used social media as the platform to get a message out not knowing it was going to take on a whole life of its own. Now we have a media company and it just went in a very different direction. But like this podcast, podcasting for me is the greatest thing ever. I think it blows social media out of the water. It's not even close and it's free. So I get to get my message out there to help people for free, which I love. In, in one sentence, what is the message or one, you know, couple of 30 seconds? What, what is the, what is the core message? And I guess, the core thing that makes you tick now, given all your experience, you know, you're pivoted. One thing I've just learned from just sitting here listening to you speak is you are not afraid of pivoting where you might, a lot of people get into a job or get into a business or whatever it might be. And they think, well, I'm already in this business. I can't do it. I can't get out of myself to go and pivot and, and sort of ride the wave, right? Because things are changing. Social media is changing. The, the way in which we do business is changing. Right. So what is that message for people uh, here in 2019? Anybody can do it. Can do it. But my biggest message by far is learn how to live for free. Even if it's one thing you buy. And a huge part is don't buy a house. Whatever you do, your first piece of real estate you buy, 100% should not be a house. If you could buy a fourplex, live in one of the units or the front house if it's set up like that, rent out the other three units to cover a large chunk of the mortgage or all of it, do that. Mm. A covered land play, right? As long as it's making the mortgage. It is. And in 10 years' time, it's going to be worth so much more than what it is today. And you can pull out money and then buy a house. You can do a lot of different things. What you can't do is if you lose your job because the market turns, you don't have anybody else helping you pay that mortgage, and now the house is worth less than you bought it for, and now you're in a pickle. I like having other families paying off my assets 
And if even if everything went to zero, I got a couple of places I can go put my family right now. <laughs> so it's be, it's because of that of that mindset. Right. So there's there's ways to live for free mm-hmm. in this country that already has a ton of opportunities. Why not utilize them? Right. I mean, twenty four thousand dollars gets you a seven hundred thousand dollar fourplex. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care who you are. You can save twenty four grand in five years. <laughs> Like put a plan together. So, so how are you finding? So you talk a little bit about out of state versus what you just hit on. Then was probably more local to where we are, which is Southern California, which is hot market. Cash flow doesn't exist, if anything. So talk to me a little bit about that strategy of putting down a little bit um, to then go and essentially house hack because that's what it's a hundred percent a house hack. Yeah. And I was uh, I was just in Tampa speaking of this event, which was mostly millennials, people doing like drop shipping and e-commerce. And um, and I hammered this in from from stage. Like, I, I don't care where you're at. I don't care if you're in Cleveland, even if you're in Cleveland, Ohio, and you're a third generation renter. You're used to paying 450 a month because that's what your mom paid and your grandma paid and that's all you know. Did you know that you could buy that duplex for 4,000 down and then live on the other side and then that 550 that you were paying would cover just about the whole mortgage. Even if you're paying yourself rent, so what? Mm. You're paying yourself. So for me, it does. It, I don't care what zip code you're in, and I challenge people all the time. It's like, I can't find a deal in my zip code. Where's your zip code? I'll send you five. They're out there. You have to be willing to do the work. Right. And it's over and over again. And building relationships with local realtors and finding deals because – Aunt Susie passed away and the trust needs to liquidate their triplex. Like you don't know where your first good deal is going to come from, whether you're going to live there or not, or as an investor. And, and a lot of people would say to you, being here in Southern California, oh, we can't do it here. But yeah, Cleveland, Ohio, of course you can do it. It's bloody dirt cheap out there. So what to those folks listening, who do, how do you, is it a different story or how, how, do you, how do you apply the same adage? You can still do it here. You find properties. There's this thing called the gross rent multiplier. That is the little secret gem of real estate. You can find a, it's called a um, non-performing asset or like an underperforming asset. So the rents are a little low or a lot of low because the landlords had them low for a million years. Long Beach is full of them. Or you find somebody who might be able to do a seller carry. There's so many ways to hack this. And then what you do is you find the rents, you raise the rents a little bit, you do your gross rent multiplier, you figure a way to get your capital back out, and then you go do another one. Or you sit and you wait. Like you don't understand the options you have until somebody basically puts them in front of you. Like, I don't care if it doesn't make sense right now. When you raise the rents from 1200 to 17, it it's makes money. sense. It's money in your pocket. It makes sense. Even if it's a break even or I don't care if it's going to lose five or 600 bucks when those rents go up and you go to the tenants, you say, look, you've had low rent for 15 years, six years. We're going to, have a rent raise, but you're still going to be 300 below market. Right. I can help you move or you can stay. Like you just open up to them. Right. What's, the, what's the worst they're going to do? Leave? <laughs> then you're going to rent it for full market. Oh, darn. <laughs> what is your number one strategy you're teaching people these days in terms of out versus out of state or interstate, whatever? What is that? Sure. It's getting really educated. So because of the status of the market, I've, I've really advised people to – do a little more watching than I would normally have you do in a different market. But right now, watch. I've moved a lot of investors to cash, so we're kind of waiting a little bit right now. But just get educated. Know everything you can. Everything there is. 
when I got into real estate, I had listened to almost every investing book there was before I got my license right. on these long six hour bike rides. But there's so many things that you can learn and then apply slowly. Right. Some people are, and you, and you have to know yourself, right? There's some people like, I'm going to go from not knowing anything to buying a 20 unit building because that suits them. Sure. If that's not you, there's no, there's no reason to buy a four unit building and then be up all night for six months because you're scared. So you have to know yourself. So the more you know, the more knowledge you have, it's always going to be a little scary, but you got to jump. It doesn't matter. What are you seeing in today's market? What is giving you pause right now? We, we're 2019, just finished first quarter. Uh, interest rates are supposed to be staying stagnant, but what are you? What, what, what's the, the canary in the coal mine for you right now? Sure. It's, it's something that, that for the past probably year and a half I've been talking about a lot on YouTube and like Facebook and Instagram is I don't have a crystal ball, but I'm looking at the signs from just society and it feels a little bit like 2005, six, and seven with the flashy, with the kids that are making 300 grand a year that are driving around in Lamborghinis that are all leased and rented and then their credit cards are all maxed out. Those same kids that have 40, 50, 100 grand in student debt that are getting loans for $700,000 houses here because they have two years of income. So it's, it's not gonna be the same thing as before, not even close, but my fear is we're in a tech bubble Anybody that wants to start an app can go get some pretty cheap VC money. Like the whole stock market, in my opinion, is being held together by ice cream and bubble gum. So it's not really real, real right now. That's a huge fear of mine. We have a real estate bubble. Like the, it's been going up for years, years. Yep. I, I don't care. If you study the history of real estate, it's going to correct at some point. It's already started a little bit here, like in June. And then, so you have student loan debt, which is in the trillions, you have a real estate bubble and I believe a tech bubble for the first time in our country's history. So it might be a trifecta. I don't know how sustainable it is, but at the same time I'm watching. Then I'm watching the global economy. I'm watching how people are making moves. And I'm just watching. What are you, are you looking at anything in terms of um, debt service coverage ratio of yes. of people looking putting money down for for that for that property? Or um, because I, th I think fundamentally, real, the real estate game is in a different spot than what it was in 2008, which made everything crumble. So, what are you seeing? What do you, what metrics do you like to look at? in keeping your finger on the pulse, whether it be here locally or interstate from a global economy point of view or just little metrics that you like to, to, to look at? Sure. So for me, I feel people are way over leveraged. Mm -hmm. I feel their lifestyles are over leveraged. I feel like the stuff they're putting on social media is way over leveraged. And a stat that came out that was pretty staggering for, for us to look at was, I think it was 3 million Americans or 4 million Americans are more than three to four months behind on their car payments. Mm. So if you're already going into default with your car you shouldn't buy, you're already in a real big pickle. I look at that as an opportunity though from a selfish standpoint of what's about to come. So we're gonna be we're gonna have a much longer generation of renters than ever in our history. Awesome for real estate investors like ourselves. Not so great for people who are trying to get into the market. So Again, I look at a lot of different things, but every market is so different, like really, really different. Some are barely even phased. Some 
have more factories. Some, it just depends on where you're at. There's opportunities. That's why this country is so great for real estate. There's pockets everywhere. Yep. Always will be. When the market's pistol hot, when the market's freezing cold, mm-hmm. there's hotbeds somewhere. Yep. So what is the goal for 2019 and beyond for Andy Carter? Now you've gone through such so many pivots. You're, you're in the real estate game. Uh, from an outsider's point of view, you've, you, you're creating a really awesome ecosystem of education, of real estate buying, of selling products. Where do you want to be in, uh, and I hate to say the word, 10 years' time? Right. You know, because just on our show, or the show we did with you, is like, I, I, I'm fearful of doing that because you, you, you put yourself in, into a pigeonhole. Oh, I need to be here by 10 years' time. Like, screw that. I'm going I'm to do as much work as I can for three years and then see what doors open and I'll just walk through them, right? So what does the journey look like between now and 10 years from now? Sure. Like my whole world is in 90 day chunks. I put my entire zone in 90 day blocks and I stack them on top of each other. And sometimes I'll think I'm going to be here in 12 months time and I'm in a very different place. So for me, I want to buy way more real estate. When the market does move, I've already warned everybody that knows me, I'm going to do the biggest raise of my life and just get it as much as I can get my hands on and really educate people. That's a big part of the message right now is to really help people understand what their options are from like the street level of what a regular person can become an investor. Like, doesn't matter if you make $40,000 a year. And a story I love to love to share is there was this high school teacher, never made more than $40,000 a year ever. She retired with $7 million in Long Beach real estate because she would buy little buildings and she would live in the back unit and do all the stuff that we taught. This is not new. Mm. They're on forever. Education for me is massive because I think I can help a lot of single moms out there and single dads and people that might not think they have an option when they really do. They have a lot of options. So we do a lot of coaching, a lot of training, and it sucks up an enormous amount of my time. Like my very wealthy friends are like, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing that? I have a deep calling to give back. I have a deep, deep calling to help people. If you're a first time real estate agent, I want to train you in your head to be an investor first. Sometimes you get to look at these properties before anybody else does. That might be your first deal. You just don't know it yet because you don't think it's possible. So I want to reframe how people look at multifamily real estate across this country and how if you're a new real estate professional, look at yourself as an investor first. I've got to uh, want to wrap this up here, but um, you're, we, you're, you're laying on your deathbed in, in many, many years to come. You know, you're going to have a great life. You're laying there, you're surrounded by your family, your grandkids are there, maybe your great-grandkids are there. You turn to the littlest one. What would be the number one piece of advice you'd give to that person laying there on your deathbed? Do it all. Do not hold back for anything or anyone. Just go. What's the worst that's going to happen? Very similar to your story. What's the worst that's going to happen? I'm the same way. Just go. Love it. Love, man. Tell me a little bit more about the book. We've got it here. Uh, sure. 100 Doors. Where can people get it um, and where do they go to, to, to be more in your circle and more in your sphere? Sure. I'm super easy to find. I'm all over the internet. It's just my name, Andy Dane Carter, D-A-N-E-C-A-R-T-E-R. Um, and that's my website, andydanecarter.com. You guys can get a free download of the book, 100 Doors. There's a uh, new book called 3 Series, which I talk about team building and the long game. That's all free on the website. I'm on Instagram a lot. So if you're in social media, that's where I spend most of my time. We're on Facebook. We have a channel on YouTube, on Roku, Amazon, Apple TV. It's all free. We go out and just put out content on how to flip houses, how to buy multifamily. Um, 
or just type me into Google. You'll find me. Awesome, man. Well, look, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. One of the things that I probably took away from your story is just how motivated you are in being that surfer, you know, you, you got that wetsuit when you were young, to want to see the different waves that are coming and be willing to go and chase that different wave or, or be willing not just to stick it, stick with one thing and just, oh, that's my path and I'm just going to go on the path, you know, most most worn. And uh, I think that says a lot to you about it as a person. You're, you're not afraid of what you don't know and you're not you're not out there thinking that you know it all right and 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 you're constantly looking to pivot niche pivot niche pivot niche pivot and then you know help you ride that wave of technology or whatever is coming down 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 the down the the pike and i also agree with you 100 that we are in a tech bubble we have a real estate bubble and student debt in terms of how they all if they all crash together or you know separately um i do think there's going to be an easing compared to 2008 it won't, it won't, it won't be off a, off a cliff but there's something coming and um i like what you're talking about in terms of what what you're looking at in terms of people on instagram and you know if you can't afford your your car payment what the hell are you doing with the lamborghini right like live within your means and and the other message is house hacking i think it's a great way to get into the market wherever you're living um, and, and bit not being afraid of saying, look, the reason in which I'm living in a worse neighborhood, right, compared to where my friends and family are, is because I'm wanting to get into the market. I'm not renting. I'm actually owning this particular piece of property. And I think a lot of people get caught up again with social media. Thinking, oh, I've got to live in this this neighborhood because all my, you know, I've got to have this car. I've got to have this wife. I've got it's to have this kid. It's the kiss of death. That's what gets people stuck. Right. It's what pe- it's what giving a shit about what anybody else thinks is a problem. Right. Like it's it'll get you in a very bad pickle. And I mean. My biggest fear is to doing is doing the same thing for thirty years. Like, I mean, I love to do the opposite for a reason because I'm so fearful of getting bored in the same thing forever. But people get stuck, and they get stuck when other people think of them. Do you know? And I'm just gonna throw this out there: if you're a guy and you're dating and you're a young man and you're going out there, first learn how to cook. But then, like, <laughs> you're gonna be out there dating and you're gonna bring a young lady home, and she's gonna be like, "Oh, this is a cool apartment." Whatever. Like, yeah, you know, this is my building. Yeah. That's my wife's two favorite words are safe and secure. So like if you're a young man who's safe, secure, you're a good cook, you're a good dude, and you're invested in your future before you have met somebody else, they're going to pay attention. And same thing with you ladies. Like if you ladies, you you don't need some pain in the ass dude. Do your own thing. And it's just, it's you in the building. It's it's you (laughs) on the building. That's the thing. Like we have so much power now and we're giving it away to what like everybody thinks of us yes yes yeah mate thank you so much for coming on the show today enjoy the rest of your week and we'll catch up soon well there you have it another cracking episode jam-packed with some incredible advice from andy yeah if you do have any questions for andy please jump over onto his website andydancarter.com thank you all again for tuning in to this show because we're all about increasing your financial iq and we're gonna do this all again next week so be bold be brave remember go give a life